Hello and welcome to the Money Talk podcast. I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show, we're taking a look at China, where the ride for investors has become somewhat stomach-churning of late, even more so than in other places in the world. How is the giant Chinese market handling the twin blows of Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the ongoing threat from new lockdowns from COVID? That's the focus today. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us, or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. The year so far has been a roller coaster for stock markets all over the world, but nowhere can quite match the volatility in Chinese shares. In just over a week, Chinese shares listed on the Hong Kong stock market suffered both their worst day since the financial crisis and then, in a remarkable recovery, their best day in more than a decade. With the uncertainty raised by Russia's invasion of Ukraine and outbreaks of COVID-19 still to contend with, investors in China will continue to face a pretty unsettled landscape for some time to come. So what can they expect next? And has the, the equation for investing in China been changed at all by recent events? To try to answer that, I'm joined by Tom Stevenson, Investment Director here at Fidelity. Tom, welcome along. Um, why don't we start by putting the recent ups and downs for Chinese shares in some context? How volatile has the market there been? Uh, yeah, hi Ed. Uh, the market has, as you as you rightly point out in your opening comments, there been extremely uh, volatile, and in particular, it was very very volatile uh, last week. But just uh, since the beginning of the year, um, uh, the Chinese market has uh, fallen by about sixteen uh, percent. Uh, but last week alone, it rose by about twelve percent. So those are very big movements in in both directions and really what we saw last week was uh two two key events uh on the monday uh chinese shares fell extremely heavily and the trigger uh for that um for that fall um was the announcement of five potential delisting of chinese shares listed on the american uh, stock market. This is not a new story, actually. It's been around for a few years, but it came to a head because this was the this was the first time that these potential delistings have been announced, and investors took fright uh, and markets fell very sharply. And in fact, that prompted the second event because in the middle of the week we had uh, a speech um, by the vice premier of, of China, uh, Liu Hei, who is uh, you know probably the most important uh, economic voice in China after President Xi uh, himself. And so what he has to say is watched very closely uh, by the markets, by investors. And what he had to say in the middle of the week was uh, extremely uh, positive for markets. He, I, I've sort of, I, I th- the way I think of it is it's almost, um, it's almost like Mario Draghi's whatever it takes moment. I think we may well come yeah come to look back at, at this speech by Liu Hei and say that that was his uh, whatever it takes moment. He basically said, you know, we've got the back of uh, markets. Uh, we're talking to the Americans about this uh, issue with the with the Chinese uh, listed uh, shares. Uh, some of the steps that we've been taking, uh, you know, it, to, uh, to to shift the balance of the economy um, uh, away from growth and more to what we call common prosperity. We think that work's done. There were a number of there were a number of elements to his speech, but they were all broadly very positive for the market. And that's why we saw shares rising so sharply in the middle of the week. And, and uh, there's other factors on. We're going to move on to those as well. But just on these, this question of these delistings, I mean, uh, if people aren't familiar with that issue, was that at the behest of one side or the other? How did it how did it come 
about and what is the market particularly worried about because of a delisting? Yeah, so so this issue actually goes back to the sort of middle of the of the Trump uh, presidency, and uh, essentially what's happened is that the Americans have said that if you want to continue being listed on the on the U.S. markets, then you have to. Uh, be completely transparent about your accounts and about the personal account dealings of the directors of, of these companies. Uh, you need to have your accounts run by an American auditor, essentially. Now, this is this is going to be impossible because, you know, in many cases, it's simply against Chinese law to share that information with an overseas auditor. So this is a provocation, if you like, and, and effectively it's saying that uh, you know you you can't as a as a Chinese company be listed on the on the American stock market. Now there are more than two hundred of these companies, and they're you know very big um, high profile names in in many cases. Now the reason why uh, it's only just come to be an issue is that these five companies that were mentioned have actually filed their accounts. So uh, having filed their accounts, they have now been named as potentially in breach of this uh, uh, ruling. Uh, now, the delisting may not happen for, for two or three years, um, but it's got investors thinking about it. And of course, it's come at a really unfortunate time with everything else that's going on in the world, uh, in particular, the, the Russia-Ukraine war situation. Uh, and it's made uh, already nervous investors uh, even, even more nervous. Indeed, yeah, and as you say, there, Tom, um, the 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 issues in Ukraine and Russia's invasion of it uh, affecting stock markets all over the world. But um, I guess it's fair to say that the questions facing China as a result of that event they're different, aren't they, from those in other markets, and particularly in Europe, where it has its own set of uh, questions around it. So, what is the question uh, really facing China vis-à-vis uh, -vis Ukraine? Yes. Well, I, I mean, it's not just about Ukraine, actually. I mean, I think it's fair to say that, you know, uh, China and uh, the Chinese markets are, are marching to a very different beat from from the rest of the world at the moment. We've kind of got used, though, in, in recent years to everything, uh, you know, marching in lockstep, everything being affected by, by the same events. But uh, if you look at the rest of the world, you know, we, we things that we've talked about a lot recently, inflation, the war in Ukraine, uh, rising interest rates, cost of living, you know, all of these things are um, common features across the US and, and Europe and many other developed markets. China has actually got a, a number of uh, different issues. I've mentioned some of them already. This move towards uh, what it calls common prosperity and the clampdown that has accompanied that on certain stock market uh, sectors. Uh, it's got an ongoing uh, property um, uh, bubble, which is which is is being deflated, and th and that's that's a China-specific issue. Um, as I say, as we've discussed, this this problem with the with the ADRs, this, and that's all part of a essentially a, a, a geopolitical standoff between uh, the US. Uh, and China. And then one other key element, which is different in China from the rest of the world, is the COVID situation. You know, China mm. is clearly, um, uh, has clearly addressed COVID in a very different way. It's taken this zero tolerance approach to, to COVID. It's locking down cities. That was the other feature of last Monday's big stock market fall. They just imposed a seven day lockdown in Shenzhen, which uh, is a huge city uh, just over the border from Hong Kong, very important um, economic hub uh, for China. Uh, and, 
you know, COVID is still a very uh, live issue uh, in China in a way that it, you know, plainly is not here in Europe. Yeah. Okay. And and just a, a quick word then, Tom, on, on COVID. You've mentioned it already. Um, it's clearly bad news that uh, that China is is having to impose these very um, severe lockdowns uh, for particular regions, sort of hyper specific lockdowns. When you read about it, almost a sort of building to building kind of policies um, being enacted. That's not great for growth. But it. But as you say, the government has said it wants to protect growth in its fight against COVID and and as i don't know new th- therapeutics and 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 the vaccine obviously uh, extends out um that should ease right yeah and i think we're already getting signs that that it is uh easing um i mean just over the weekend we had um news of a you know fairly significant easing in restrictions in Hong Kong, both in terms of um, uh, ability to travel and also the quarantine uh, regulations. Now, uh, you know, it's possible that that what's going on in Hong Kong is a precursor, a sort of, uh, you know, indicator of what might be coming down the track uh, in in the rest of uh, China. But it it clearly it clearly matters. Uh, I mean, I saw an estimate that that 31 percent of Chinese GDP is generated in areas which are currently at relatively high risk of uh, some kind of a lockdown. And and that does pose a significant threat to uh, the government's target of five and a half percent growth uh, this year. I think uh, I think it was Goldman Sachs said that they thought that, um, you know, the, the current sort of lockdowns, you know, threatened in, to, to reduce that five and a half percent by maybe one percentage point. So a fairly, fairly significant hit. But I think, um, yes, China has taken this zero uh, tolerance approach, but 86 percent of uh, Chinese are vaccinated. 40 percent of them have been boosted. So um, it is, you know, I think that they've got to the stage in terms of vaccinations where a change of tack um, uh, in terms of learning to live with COVID becomes a possibility. So I think we may be past the worst in terms of COVID. OK, OK. And finally, then, Tom, what can we say to anyone actually uh, who's investing their money in China at the moment? Many are going to be doing so through, uh, well, there's a very popular Fidelity Investment Trust, Fidelity China Special Situations. Any big um, emerging markets fund is likely to have big exposure to China as well. The ride won't have been easy uh, just recently. Is the case for investing in China, Tom, is that still intact? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think I think it is intact, and in some in some ways, it, it actually looks more interesting now that, than it has done. I mean, uh, you, you mentioned China special situations there, and it's been it's been quite a two year uh, round trip um, for that investment trust, but for the Chinese market as a whole, actually. I mean, in the in the early stages of the in the first year of the uh, of the pandemic, there was this sense that. China was first in and would be first out of the pandemic, and the Chinese stock market did extremely well uh, during uh, the the second half of um, 2020. Um, The last year or so has been extremely difficult, as all of those things that we've talked about, um, and in particular that sort of common prosperity uh, drive and the clampdown on various important uh, sectors, uh, the, the, the technology and the internet spaces in particular, um, really, really took hold. So China's special situations uh, um, 
fell by more than 50% from from peak to trough uh, over a period uh, of about uh, a year. Uh, it now stands at a 5% discount uh, to to its underlying uh, assets. Um, so, you know, I think from a from a contrarian perspective, I think, you know, some investors will start to to think that this is quite interesting. The Chinese market as a whole trades at a very big discount to uh, markets such as the US and um, if it were if it were not for the for the war in Ukraine, I think we'd be looking at China and we'd be saying, look, China is in a completely different place from the rest of the world. The rest of the world is is just embarking on a tightening policy. Monetary policy is tightening. China is really in the opposite situation. It's got the it's got the firepower to actually uh, increase its stimulus of its economy, and there is evidence that it is starting to do that. So. You know, it's it's easing policy. It's it's a cheap market. Um, its earnings growth looks looks pretty solid. We're coming through some of these difficulties, which have clearly been the case. But no one's going to jump in uh, feet first. Uh, uh, you know, with a with a big exposure to China, I think because there are st- there are lots of risks. Uh, clearly, there are still lots of risks. But uh, I, I do think that from a contrarian perspective. China actually looks quite interesting now. Okay. Okay. Well, Tom, that is all that we uh, have time for now. Thanks an awful lot for joining me. Thanks, Ed. You've been listening to the Money Talk podcast. Check fidelity.co.uk for daily written updates and articles on these and other topics from across Fidelity in the UK. And subscribe via iTunes to get the podcast downloaded direct to your devices every week. Please be aware that the value of investments and the income you get from them can go down as well as up, so you may not get back what you invest. This information doesn't constitute investment advice and should not be used as the basis for any investment decision, nor should it be treated as a recommendation for any investment. Eligibility to invest in an ISA or a pension and the value of tax savings depends on personal circumstances and all tax rules may change. You will not normally be able to access money held in a pension until the age of 55. Reference to specific securities or funds should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities or funds and is included for the purpose of illustration only. Fidelity Personal Investing does not give personal recommendations. If you're unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to an authorised financial advisor.